you just get to a point where you can't handle it anymore. And then I think from there, once you do surrender, that is where the acceptance comes in. Hi, I'm Hannah Jane. And I'm Sierra, and this is Detached. We're two women in our mid-20s who have a lot to say about literally everything. We try to focus on what we have learned through our emotional and spiritual growth. We're here to have open, vulnerable, and sometimes pretty hard conversations with each other. Just a reminder, we don't speak for any 12-step programs. All we have are our own stories to share. We are so excited to go on this journey with you all. Let's get to it. Hello and welcome to Detached. I'm Hannah Jane. And I'm Sierra. And this is episode four. We have an awesome topic for you guys today. We're going to be talking about acceptance. Sierra, Mm -hmm. you want to take it away? Yeah. um, Okay, so Hannah Jane and I had the idea, well, actually your mom had (laughs) the idea. (laughs) Thanks, mom. um, (laughs) That we should maybe try to um, define certain words, especially when we have a specific subject or topic that we're going to be talking about. So we thought it would be kind of cool to give the literal definition of the word acceptance and then also explain sort of what it means to us and our interpretation of it. So Wikipedia um, (laughs) says acceptance is, or acceptance in human psychology is a person's assent to the reality of a situation, recognizing a process or condition without attempting to change it or protest it. Um, And then also in the dictionary, there's a number of different definitions, but the one that's felt the most um, relevant to what we're discussing is. Willingness to tolerate a difficult or unpleasant situation. So, yeah, I mean, (laughs) Hannah Jane, do you want to talk about sort of what your interpretation of it is? Or maybe, you know, what your experience has been with acceptance throughout your journey? Yeah, I would say at the beginning of my recovery journey, acceptance wasn't really something that I thought about nor did I think I had to accept anything. I didn't think that I had to accept anything. I was like, I I don't like, I can fix it. I can control it. I'm fine. Everything is totally okay. Um, But I started to realize that when I kept going back to the meetings, I was like, whoa, I am really trying to control this uncontrollable situation and this disease that I have no, I can't tell it what to do. Um, So I think acceptance for me came very slowly, Mm -hmm. but now I'm able, I'm really able to kind of give things over to my higher power, which I think is something that feels so special because that's something that I never thought that I'd be able to do. Um, But acceptance feels very calming. It's very freeing. Uh, Yeah. What does acceptance mean to you? What does that look like to you? Um, well, you know, I think it's changed over time for sure. Um, but in terms of acceptance, you know, a big piece of it in my life has been obviously, uh, accepting my alcoholism. Um, you know, step one and AA says we admitted we are powerless over alcohol and our lives had become unmanageable. Um, which we'll talk more, a little more about that because it's the same step, step one and Al-Anon, which I think is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, for me, it was sort of like 
you know, I was in denial for a long time and didn't think that there was a problem and just thought that all these external pieces of my situation or of my life were the issue. And um, it wasn't until, you know, the situation got bad enough where I had to accept that, you know, I was an alcoholic and that I couldn't drink and I also could not manage it on my own and my life had become unmanageable. Um, I think something we had talked about, you know, a little earlier was that surrender, surrendering is like the first step to acceptance, which I think is a really beautiful way to look at it because, you know, when a situation is hard enough and you're fighting it and it's bad enough, like you do get to this point of surrender where you just sort of give up, not in like a negative or weakness type of way, but like you just get to a point where you can't handle it anymore. And then I think from there, once you do surrender, that is where the acceptance comes in. I love that because um, for me, surrender used to have a meaning, like, you know, as you kind of said, it's not about failure or weakness. And that's exactly what I thought that word Mm -hmm. meant. Um, So I think it's really cool to kind of have that perspective shift and that mind shift with words themselves, because you know the saying, the old saying, sticks and stones can uh, what is it? What is it? Oh my Break God. your bones. But words can never hurt you. Yeah. Uh, words can. Okay. <laughs> One, words can hurt you. And words, they evolve over time in meaning for for people, I think. So I think words carry such an intense weight. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool to watch kind of myself and how I've evolved. Like see I don't know if this makes sense but like see words kind of transform too right the meaning of them yeah the meaning of them and like the weight of the Mm -hmm. word right so I think surrender um I love how you say like it's a prerequisite to Mm -hmm. acceptance I Mm -hmm. think that's that's so cool and honestly something that I hadn't really thought about so thank you for that little that little nugget (laughs) yeah um I (laughs) so here's a funny story about the um meaning behind certain words I so love this <laughs> I'm so excited <laughs> story but um so I got a tattoo when I was 19 or 20 on my ribs and I really wanted a quote so I did some research and I found this quote that was um surrender to what is let go of what was and have faith in what will be but I changed the first word. I could not handle the word uh, surrender. Like it was too heavy of a word. I was like, that's, you know, surrendering. That's like giving up. And so I did not like that word. And so I literally changed the quote before I got wow. it tattooed <laughs> and changed it to accept what is, let go of what was and a faith in what will be. And it's just so like foreshadowing yeah like it's crazy to like think about that and now that that's a word that I really do love and I think has such a beautiful meaning to it you know and and represents so much strength um whereas before I did not see it as that way that's so crazy I love that yeah but I think I think it might be cool to talk about acceptance um just kind of in everyday life and how we you know how we accept like situations or little things that are out of our control Mm -hmm. because you know I think Sarah and I have talked about with you guys and without you guys that (laughs) we we want this podcast to be kind of Mm all-inclusive we don't want to you know narrow it down into one little niche so um yeah I don't know do you want to 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think it's important to talk about acceptance in our day-to-day lives. Um, like you mentioned, you know, we want this podcast to be a tool for everybody and not just people in recovery. So I think it's important we do talk about it in that sense um, as well. So for me, I mean, acceptance on a day-to-day basis, it's definitely not something that ever came naturally to me. It's something <laughs> I've had to work on for sure. Yeah. Um, so for me, acceptance, like a good example would be, you know, I'm, I'm having a hard time accepting where I'm at with my job right now. It's really overwhelming and I sort of want to transition and, um, you know, it immediately my first instinct is to be like, well, I'm done. I'm just going to find another job. I'm just going to go and I'm just going to leave like just a disaster and I, I don't care. And like, I'm not, I shouldn't have to stay around to like fix things and make sure everybody's good before I leave and you know, all that stuff. So I was like, it'd just be easier just to like be done with it and like yeah. find a new job. <clears throat> and so I've been like, you know, unintentionally like spending time to sort of like hating working <laughs> while I'm at work. But but then I, I realized like, okay, like, Sierra, you're in this situation. This is your present situation. You're here for a reason. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why you haven't transitioned yet into a new job. Like, accept the current situation and everything will fall into place. Like, there is no point in me sitting there being like, oh my God, I hate this. Like, this is so stressful because I'm fighting the situation, right? And I'm not opening up like that space and energy to come into my life where like things start falling into place. So that's just like a little, you know, thing I think that is very applicable to day-to-day life. But I don't know. What do you, what do you think? (laughs) One thing I'm thinking about is like literally anything related to my car. And I know that Mm. you can (laughs) very much, um, talk to that, but I'll say I, so I've been rear-ended twice in the last year and a half, and the first time I was rear-ended, it was like at the very, very beginning of, you know, my little journey, Mm. and I reacted so differently the second time. I mean, the second time, my reaction was like still kind of wild, but (laughs) I was very um, aware of the situation and I was very aware of my anger and where that came from and I was able to move on from it really quickly. I think that's something maybe we don't talk about Mm. with acceptance um, is kind of how long that emotion stays with you until you can move through it. Right. Because I used to, oh my God, I used to like hold on to emotions for like months, Mm -hmm. like literally months someone would do something and I'd be super upset and I would be upset for Mm -hmm. so long and not just be like hey you know this thing that you said or this thing that happened kind of bothered me can we chat about it and like move on Mm -hmm. um and so the first time I got rear-ended this you know like it was this girl and she was on her phone and she was a teenager and she was listening to music and I was super annoyed and I was just like, are you kidding me? I was coming back from work. I was driving back from, uh, from Pueblo all the way to Denver. And I was just like, this has to be, this isn't real. I was so upset and so angry. And I remember calling my parents after and just being like, blah, 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 blah. I was just so upset. And the second time I got rear-ended, my initial reaction, I literally, 
I looked up to the sky and I was like, are you kidding me? Like, why? And the person hit me and I told them to pull over and they pulled over and then they like ditched into an alley and left. And I was just like, this isn't real. And I didn't realize I was right next to this outdoor like seating restaurant. And I was just yelling at the sky and someone was like, are you okay? And I was like, honestly, no, but it's going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. There wasn't any damage to my car. I had a bike rack on it. If anything, there was more damage to their car. But I was, I I felt like that literal visual representation Mm. of looking up into the sky and being like, are you kidding me? Like on movies, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) it was like that. But I was so, I was able to move through it. So I was like, all right, this really annoying thing happened. It happened. It's done. This person literally left the scene, so I can't get any information. And, you know, I called someone and they were like, oh, well, have you called the police? Have you taken this action? And I was like, whoa, okay. I need to sit. I need to literally take an action now. And I don't know, just seeing those two like same events happen like a, a few months or a year apart from each right. other. That was kind of crazy to see how different I reacted to that. Does that right. have to do with yeah, acceptance? Yeah, Sorry. and that's like, I mean, that's on growth. <laughs> that's on growth. <laughs> but really, though, because it's like, it's really cool to see the evolution of it. You know, it, there's, it, you can talk about acceptance as much as you want, but to compare situations like that, like what you're talking about, like that is what, that is like where the proof is in the pudding, right? Because oh, totally. I think so much of like the growth that we do is really just, um, it's a change in perspective, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a change in how we react, how we respond to situations. And so I think it's really cool to reflect on how you can get to a point of acceptance much faster than how yeah. you used to, right? Like, oh that's huge. Yeah. And, like, that changes everything, right? Because, like, you know, that was a really challenging situation, <laughs> obviously. But it sounds like, you know, you didn't harbor any anger over it. Like, you just accepted it. Because truly, like, that situation, like, there's nothing you could do about it. You couldn't hunt yeah. down the person. <laughs> Even though I'm sure you wanted to. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to run after this car. No. <laughs> No, yeah. Right, though? Oh. I mean, that's, it's just, you know, it's it's just a change of perspective. And then acknowledging that, I think, you know, I have a hard time being like, oh, I should have responded to this better, and I should have. Um, but you're noticing that, you yeah. know, and that's so massive exactly. is, like, the fact that you're you're able to now notice how you've responded mm-hmm. and how you would respond differently next time mm-hmm. and to reflect on that. I think that's, and that's also oh, on growth. <laughs> And self-awareness. That's really what self-awareness is, right? And, like, caring about the way you react and respond to the world and how you affect other people, right? Yeah. Like, carrying yourself in a good way through this world because we really all – now I'm going off on a crazy thing, but we really really all, like – what we are putting out in the world is like what we're getting back. So, All right. I know. Okay. <laughs> I, I literally, I love what you're saying yeah. because it's reminding me of another car situation yes, okay. <laughs> where, um, oh my God. So the light system in my car went out and this was like kind of a crazy moment because I have just, I had been through some car stuff mm-hmm. in those months and was just like having a hard time. And, <laughs> 
my car lighting system went out and I got this error and then both of my headlights went out and I went I went to the dealership a few times and just events just kept happening. Mm-hmm. But I went in with it with like such an just being like, all right, it is what it is. I literally I'm I'm not a car mechanic. I can't I can't fix this. <laughs> I literally I can't do this myself. Right. And I remember the person apologizing because I'd been in like three times and I was like oh well you have no control over it you know it's it's no one's fault right and he was like stunned (laughs) and it really it it kind of had me reflecting on how people treat other people Mm -hmm. and how selfish we can be sometimes when you know, if we're late to something and we're blaming all these outside factors, like, oh, there was traffic. Oh, it was snowing. Oh, it was this. Oh, it was that. Which it could be all of that. But when it really comes down to it, it's our own decisions and it's our own attitude towards the situation. Mm -hmm. Sorry, that's such a tangent off of acceptance, but you know. That that really is. It's like acceptance of the situation and taking responsibility. It's so huge. Um, And also knowing when, you know, something is out of your control. And, but the, what is in your control, like you said before, is how you respond, the action you take, everything like that, like that is in our control. So I think there's, you know, it's really important to acknowledge that difference of like, accepting a situation isn't like, oh, hands up, nothing I can do about it. Poor me. Like, this is so (laughs) okay um and just you know doing nothing like and just living in that like poor me sort of like victim mentality like you could spin it like oh car things always happen to me I'm always having car issues like I'm always having all these problems right like which I think just perpetuates that in my opinion but you know, or you can see it as like, oh, okay, this sucks. Like, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to keep, you know, I'm going to go with the flow. I'm going to keep addressing these issues. It's going to be okay. It's gonna be okay right? Exactly. So I think it's really all about, you know, how we, how we move through that. So. Yeah. And it's hard to move through it sometimes, but it's, yeah. it's really, it's really cool to be able to reflect on that perspective change on you know how you would respond a year ago how you're responding now and I don't know I'm excited to see how I respond Mm -hmm. in in the future you know it's like wow maybe next time I won't have to scream into the air (laughs) why why right you know yeah so yeah yeah no I know it's it's kind of crazy I mean I know some people you know who are we're very experienced in this and like it's so funny because something will happen they'll be like oh yeah it's fine I'm like really like (laughs) I would be freaking out they're like yeah I mean just you know it is what it is and I'm like wow that's crazy like that's really cool that you can do that and obviously it's you know taken a lot of time and work to get to that point like I hope I get there someday you know where that's just my immediate response to everything no I you know, something that my dad will ask me when something I think is going horribly wrong is, what's the worst that can happen? Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the time I'm like, you know, flailing and crying and <laughs> freaking out about something. And I'm like, whoa, yeah, what is the worst that could happen? And mm-hmm. usually, usually the worst that can happen is not like the literal end of the world. Right. So it's nice to have people in your corner that are able to kind of put things in perspective for you and help you find that perspective, you know, mm-hmm. by yourself. So, right. yeah, maybe we can talk about like how to get to that point, right? Like, so- <laughs> 
<laughs> I only <laughs> actual solutions. Ah. Uh. <laughs> because it's all great and like fine to say these things but then to actually put it into practice like I think you know oh we may sound like we've got it figured out but practicing like what we preach is definitely challenging at times so I know something that you and I both do is like sort of in those moments where it feels out of control you're angry you know you're upset you're sad whatever I think it's really important to acknowledge those emotions and also take a moment to like be present and yeah. notice your surroundings, right? Like I think you <laughs> yes. like this actually happened to you recently, right? When you went skiing? Yeah, yeah it exactly. did. I will. Okay. So, I will preface this by saying I've been skiing my entire life. It is my favorite thing to do. I feel so grateful and privileged that I have the opportunity to do it. And I was lucky enough to receive some new skis for Christmas, and they're gorgeous. I'm obsessed with them, but they are a little different than my other skis, obviously. And um, they're a little bit bigger, and I was having like a hard time skiing them. You know, I just it didn't feel like didn't feel normal. It didn't feel like how it usually feels. And I was just feeling like a failure and like, oh, my God, I can't even ski. This is like the worst. And I was crying in the lift line. And my partner looks at me and he's just like, look look around. Like, where are you? And I immediately just I started bawling even more. I was like, whoa, you're right. I'm in this beautiful place with this amazing person doing the activity that I love the most. And that's what matters. Mm -hmm. And then I got over it and I had literally the best day ever. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Which is so amazing. Like that you're able to, you know, come back to the present moment like that. And shout out to him for doing that. Yes. I know. It's really helpful to have, you know, it's really helpful to have somebody that brings you back. I know you do that for me a lot too, you know, and like, like today, like I was stressing (laughs) out about something and Hannah Jane's like, okay, why are you anxious though? Like what, where is this anxiety coming from? Like, let's talk through it. And then, you know, of course you give like a couple very surface level answers and then you keep digging and it gets to this point where you're like, oh, okay, that's the real, you know, false belief that I have about myself. Mm -hmm. That's where that insecurity is coming from. Right. Yeah. And so I think that's super helpful too. And it's always, you know, nice to have somebody in your corner who you know brings you back to that place when you need it yeah because I think that I mean we all get to that place whether it's you know feeling like a failure feeling you know just anxious about whatever you're anxious about we all get there it's really nice to be able to have people in your life that are able to be like hey you know kind of bringing you back to reality Mm -hmm, because you know I can I definitely go on my little trips I'm like, I'm on Mars, and someone, can, can y'all help can me in? Me like, can someone help me out? Oh um, so speaking of trips, Sierra, how was your trip to detox? <laughs> <laughs> um, a little over four, four years, years ago. ago. <laughs> um, but no, on a serious note, and to be a little blunt, um, I think it would be really helpful for our listeners to kind of 
understand your background and your story and how you got to this place of acceptance um with your disease I think that would be really really helpful oh boy okay um yes I agree that is helpful um and just like a a a disclaimer like I am very open about my story and so you know sometimes I say things that maybe make other people uncomfortable but I think it's really important because it's about the reality of where I was at. And I have found through experience over the last four years, like being really open and like vulnerable about explaining, you know, the point that I was at, um, a lot of people are able to relate to that. So, well, I just, before you start, I want to say that as someone that was close to you during that time mm-hmm. and as someone that's close to you now, I had like no idea what you were going through Mm -hmm. until you shared your story with me. Um, So I think I think that's pretty incredible that we really just don't know the lives that are the close people in Mm -hmm. our lives are are living Mm -hmm. until they're vulnerable enough to share that. So thank you for feeling safe and comfortable with sharing that with us. And yeah. okay, so. um. I like to preface it with I have drank alcoholically since I took my first drink at 15. Um, I The first time I drank, I blacked out, which I did not think was weird. I thought that's what you were supposed to do. I <laughs> That was also kind of the, the culture at my high school. But still, like, you know, I, I never found anything weird about that because... The first moment I drank, I was like, oh, this is it. Like, this is how I want to feel all the time, which is so crazy. Um, and so, you know, from there, I I had a lot of, I guess you can call them warning signs or red flags for a number of years after that. Um, and it wasn't until it got bad enough that, you know, I got to that point of where I had to stop. So, Fast forward a little bit, um, you know, I, I was partying in college a lot, as as were all my friends, um, but I was always, like, that one step too far, and I think once, a, a big, huge sign for me was, like, once everybody graduated, everybody stopped and, like, grew up and, like, got you know, big girl jobs and like, (laughs) you know, like chilled and didn't want to go to the bars all the time. And like, I couldn't stop. Right. Like I was just was like, no, like I have to keep doing this. And, um, so anyways, I, I moved back home to San Diego after I graduated. Um, I ended up working a job where I got laid off and then, was working like a night job so I was able to drink during the day and like drink at night like while I was at work so it just it it like gave you know perfect recipe for (laughs) the progression of this and so you know I was miserable and I was like I am miserable because I'm not in Colorado (laughs) like that's the reason it has nothing to do with my drinking it's because I'm in Colorado and in AA they call it doing a geographic (laughs) so that's what I did I was like I just got to go to Colorado and then I'll be happy I just got to get back there that's like my happy place right and so I ended up moving back to Colorado um and was living by myself so I wasn't living with my mom anymore in San Diego um and I was kind of just in the perfect environment to do whatever I wanted and so I was drinking all the time I had to drink before I went to work at 7 a.m 
Um, you know, I drank in the middle of the night, like, you know, before I went to bed, like it was crazy. Like it was really, and, and, you know, when I got to that point, like, I think when it gets bad enough, you just don't even consider or like care. Like you don't ask yourself, like, is this a problem? Like, you're just like, okay, I'm just not even going to think about that. Like, this is just what it is. Um, and so it got bad enough where I was lonely enough, miserable. I wasn't taking care of myself. Um, I, you know, my, my boss kept saying she was going to fire me because I wasn't showing up on time, even though I lived down the street. Like I just could not show up as a human being, um, for anybody or for myself. And it got to a point where one day in the middle, it was like a Tuesday in the middle of the day, I drank an entire handle of vodka to myself in four hours. Yeah. Um, and I went to the hospital with alcohol poisoning. I hallucinated in the car the whole way to the hospital. And they told me that I had alcohol induced delirium, which is a result of, um, prolonged alcoholism, like alcohol abuse. So that's pretty crazy. Oh my God. Yeah, it was pretty scary. And um, yeah, I just woke up the next morning in the hospital and had no phone, no keys. You know, nobody wanted to talk to me. My friends are the ones who had driven me to the hospital. Um, and nobody wanted anything to do with me, you know? And I just got to that point of like, oh my God, like I, I cannot keep living like this. Like, first of all, this is terrifying. Like, this is affecting my health, my mental health. Like, I don't know how much, like, I can't do this for any longer, you know? Like, it's not, I'm not going to be here, like, for this. And um, so, yeah, I got, you know, very shamefully Ubered and got my keys um, from my friend's house and my phone and everything. And I just remember, like, getting back to my apartment and, like, sitting on the couch and, like, taking a deep breath and be like, whoa, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I can't do this anymore. I'm not doing this anymore. And complete moment of surrender, right? Like it was just like, oh my gosh, you know, like I I cannot. And so I called my mom and I was like, I think I need to go to detox. And of course she was like crying her eyes out because she'd wanted me to get sober for a long time. And so anyways, I found a detox place. Um, I, they had a bed open like four days later. I, um, and this is, you know, kind of intense, but you know, four days, I was starting to detox. And so, um, because I had to wait to go for four days and, you know, I was driving myself there. And before I left, like I, this is, this is why the 14th is my sobriety date because I had to drink before I could even get in the car because my whole body was shaking so bad. Yeah. So went to detox for five days, um, went there with the intention of just going for five days and that was going to be it. And then just a little like break is all I needed. (laughs) Just a little, like just a little time off. Like, um, by like day three, I'm so grateful for this whole experience. Um, it was a rough detox place. (laughs) It was really rough and it's what I needed, you know, like it was like no, um, 
you know, no drawstrings, no shoelaces, nothing. I was walking around with baggy sweatpants. <laughs> oh my God, it was crazy. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I had this moment um, in this therapy class we were doing. And the lady was, like, playing the ukulele and singing um, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. (laughs) I know. And I had this moment of, like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, if I leave here in a couple days, like, I'm going to drink again. Like, I can't not. And so that was really, like, I think the biggest moment of acceptance. Like, I'm so powerless over this. I cannot do this on my own. Like, holy crap, I can't do this. And so um, from there, I called a bunch of rehabs. And, um, you know, of course, at first, I'm like, I can't leave my apartment, like, for 30 days. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) it always cracks me up when I talk, like, to people, especially people who are new, that are just like, no, like, who's going to get my mail? I'm like, I think that's a much smaller (laughs) problem. Than what you have going on here. And that's a much smaller issue than if you don't go to rehab, you know. So anyways, <laughs> it's crazy what we tell ourselves. But um, but yeah, so ended up, you know, down the road finding myself um, a bed at a, at a rehab. And I went there for 30 days. Um, and it was the most amazing experience of my life. And that was really the biggest step and leap into acceptance and my recovery and I've been sober since so wow thank you so much for being so vulnerable and sharing all of that I know that there are some details in there that you know are hard um that's just woof what a story Mm -hmm. and I guess I guess what my question is it's like your acceptance of your disease. How was it kind of this like thought that just popped mm-hmm. it? It was just like, whoa, okay, I just can't do this. <clears throat> or was it a very long time building to that? Um, because as your friend, I didn't know that when mm-hmm. you went home, like you were doing what you talked about doing. Like I, when I saw you, I, it, it's so, oh my God, I'm going to cry because it's just so, it's so sad that just people don't know, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Yeah, oh. no, right, exactly. Um, I, I have to, you know, attribute me getting to that moment um, from, you know, I, I say my higher power from the universe, whatever it may be, like something bigger than myself because I I wouldn't have gotten to that point on my own. Like really it was something that hit me and was like, "Oh my god, Sierra, like you you can't do this anymore." Um and I I don't think I think there's it's called um I've heard it called divine intervention. Mm-hmm. So I that's really what I think it was and I'm really grateful for that. I also think you know, when people hit a rock bottom, like that is what really sort of triggers that. I think I have personal experience, like, trying to force somebody to get sober, and it doesn't work. Like, yeah. it, it doesn't work. Like, it has to be something that you come to come to terms with on your own, you know, and, and just make that decision to do that for yourself, not to make anybody else happy. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Sorry, I'm just sitting with that, because mm-hmm. that was a lot, and that was yeah, heavy. Yeah, it, it was a lot, yeah. 
And that was so, I'm just so thankful that you're able to share that mm-hmm. with all of our listeners and yeah. with me again, you yeah. know, it's, it's nice to be able to be your friend and to hear about what you were going through at that time and to kind of see your growth over the last four years. Um, because I know you just celebrated an anniversary mm-hmm. and that's so yeah. special. <laughs> um, so thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I know some, those things are really hard to hear and I, I've had feedback from other people that like, like you, you know, had no idea that's the place I was in. And it's really hard to hear. Like, it's hard to hear that somebody was in such a painful, sad place that it got to be like that. But I share that because I know so many other people that have been in that place. And to hear your own story, like, you know, or, or to hear somebody else's story that resonates, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, like, wow, like they did do it. Like they were able to come out of that. Like that's possible, you know? And it's like, now we're here like starting a podcast to talk about it and like share that with people. So it is, it's hard to talk about and I know it's hard to hear too, Mm -hmm. but it's so important for other people to know that it's like, it's totally possible, you know? Well, and also, you know, for people to know that they're not alone if they're going through whatever they're going through. I think- for me, um, personally, I thought I was completely alone. I was like, literally no one has had this experience that I am currently having, (laughs) (laughs) which is kind of insane because that's like so untrue. Mm -hmm. And I just remember someone told me they were like, well, you're in the right place. Yeah. You know, when I walked in that first Mm -hmm. time and I was like, whoa, okay, that's crazy. Really thought I was just alone out there. Right. So it's helpful to kind of hear your own story and other people's mm-hmm. stories. Um, and that's, I think, one of the reasons we wanted to st- like start this podcast was, you know, for people to hear what we've been through and, mm-hmm. you know, what you've been through and whatever. And to kind of know that you're not alone and there are resources mm-hmm. out there. Um, but I will say it's, it's hard hearing how bad it was and how Mm -hmm. bad it got without having like literally any idea Mm -hmm. of what you were going through at that time. Right. So, and then I feel my almost first reaction was like, Oh, I should have known, but no, no, Mm -mm. you know? Yeah. My mom didn't even know like, yeah, I mean, you know, I would hide alcohol and stuff in my room, which seems so wild because like I was 22 (laughs) years old. (laughs) So, um, but you know, she didn't even realize like how bad it was. And so it was kind of like graphic for her, like describing that, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's really when you're, when you're trying to hide it from yourself, it's, 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 you know, easy to hide it from everybody else too. And I think when you're in denial of like how bad it is, like you're not going to tell anybody like that's like asking for help is really hard. Um, so so. another question that has popped up into my head is, um, you've kind of talked about your acceptance, um, in relation to your, your alcoholism. What about acceptance, um, of, like accepting that you had no control over someone mm. else's mm-hmm. disease. That's like a great how does that look different? I don't know if right. you want to speak on that a little bit. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um I think it's 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 hard in a, in a number of ways. Um 
I'm a very controlling person. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I, I'm working on it. I have been working on it for a while, but like instinctually, I have always been sort of a controlling person. And like part of that comes from me wanting to fix everything. And it comes from a like good <laughs> <Relatable>. place. <laughs> yeah. It comes from a good place. It comes from me wanting to help everybody and like, you know, oh, I can fix your problem for you. Um, so, you know, my first reaction to the situation I was in where my partner had relapsed, um, was like, oh, they just have to do, they're, they're just not doing what I'm doing and what I'm doing works for me. So they just need to do what I'm doing. And I just need to like make them do that. (laughs) (laughs) What a while. It's crazy, right? And so it was, that was like my thought process, like, oh no, they just need to go to more meetings. Like they just need to, you know, eat healthier. Like they just need to exercise. Like (laughs) they just need to do, like cut all these people out of their life, right? And that's so crazy. Um, (laughs) But, but yeah, so that was originally like how it started out. And then um, I figured out that when you do that, the other person pushes back even more, right? Like when you try to control, (laughs) when you try to control somebody, like they're just going to push back. Like the the opposite happens. Like I've never really heard of somebody be like, yeah, I forced them to do this and now they're perfect. And it's (laughs) work. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, it was really like, it got to a point where there was so much pushback and it just kept this person's disease kept progressing. It kept getting worse. Um, and it really impacted me because I lived with this person. So, you know, um, being somebody in recovery, living in a house where there's drug use is really hard, obviously. So there was so much pushback and it just got to a point where I was like, okay, like I cannot fix this person. Um, there's nothing I can do about it, but I can take action for myself to protect myself, um, which was a really, really challenging thing to come to terms with. Um, I had so much help in getting to that point, you know, in my AA meetings and talking with you and like going out and on, like it, it really, it helped me get to that place. So it wasn't like, you know, I was just in denial and then was like, boom, I got to get out of this. <laughs> yeah. It took a while. It took a lot of talking through it. Um, and I got to that place where I was like, okay, like I need to take action. I need to get myself out of this situation because I'm at the point now where I realize, you know, what is going on. I realize I can't help this person. Only they can help themselves. They're, they're the only person who can, you know, reach out and ask for help. I can't ask for help for them. Um, but I can ask for help for myself, right? So I, Ooh, I did yeah. all the things and I got myself out of that situation. And I have so much peace now today. Um, so, yeah, that's sort Aww, of a little summary. That. Yeah. Intense episode today, man. Yeah, <laughs> wow. But there's a whole lot of laughter in yeah, it. You right. know, I think it's pretty incredible that we're able to have this really heavy conversation But also find laughter and love within it. I mean, we literally wouldn't be here without, you know, um, all of the heavy stuff, Mm -hmm. you know? Right. I think to summarize, you know, acceptance is really about 
surrendering to the situation that you're in and figuring out with a clear head what the next right action is, right? Do you agree? The next right action. Yeah. I definitely agree. Um, it's, you know, I think this episode can be a tool for people to help reflect on how they've, you know, interpreted and seen the word acceptance and surrender mm-hmm. in their lives and how they see it moving forward. Mm-hmm. I think that we've shared a lot of, there's been a lot of vulnerability mm-hmm. today in today's episode. But I have some exciting news. Hmm. Next week, we have our first interview. We do. We do. So you're definitely going to have to tune in. That's going to be really, really special. Um, I'm so excited for that. Me too. Yeah. Um, The person we'll be interviewing is a very special, badass individual. (laughs) So it'll be a really good conversation. Um, She's a very good friend of mine and, and somebody who's taught me a lot. So... Yeah, I guess we will we will catch you guys next week. Um, again, you know, I, I know we talked about a lot of hard stuff. So if you, you know, if any emotions come up or you're feeling like you need to talk about any of this or somebody to relate to about it, like always email us. You yeah, know, we're, we're here. Available and we're here. We love talking to people, obviously, about this stuff because we're <laughs> yes. talking about it live. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Right. Well, Thank you so much. Thanks, guys, for listening. We'll catch you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye.